Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host, Keyonce. This is episode 28 with Renee Seals from Embodied Astrology. Enjoy. What's up, what's up? It's your girl, Keyonce, back with another episode. This time, um, we have Renee Seals from Embodied Astrology. I absolutely adore them. They're really great. Um, this is a really good conversation. We got into environmental racism. We talked about um, the different types of sun, moon, and rising all the different types of astrology we talked about astrology for your love life we talked about a lot of of really cool topics um but first before we get into the episode i wanted to talk about some church announcements that i got so first off i am done with initiation so i'm initiated as an awol now in the uh, spiritual tradition of ifa isheshe um originating from um nigeria ilaife and yes it was a it was yeah it's been a a process um but things are just now beginning and i really see this as being a way that i can begin to show up even better for my community um and i definitely would not be where i am without um the help of my village my friends family ig community social media community podcast community all of y'all I I love you so much. And yeah, this has been a great process. It went super smoothly. Um, and so yeah, almost Shango. And my um my Ifa name is Ifa Shegun. Ifa um helps me conquer my enemies. Hallelujah. So I also have so two courses that I'm coming that are gonna be um beginning later on this month. Actually in a in about a week. Um, so my MSF Cyber Witch course, which is going to be on May 18th, 25th, and June 1st. Um, the class times will be 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and so as I mentioned in previous episodes with the MSF Cyber Witch, this is all about um, learning how to communicate with your spirit guides, how to strengthen your relationship with your ancestors, fundamentals of ritual and ceremony. Um, we're going to talk about um, root work and herbology and just kind of um, the metaphysics behind spell casting, all of that. And then my MSF Tarot Academy classes are going to be May 19th, May 26th, and June 2nd at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. So um, that is basically going to be all about the tarot. We're going to talk about numerology. We're going to talk about tarot as how it relates to the binary code. We're going to talk about history of tarot, um, elemental features and tarot it's a lot just go to millennialsoulfood.biz and you can see more about um about the classes so also on may 16th i'm hosting a tarot spreads 101 patreon live stream so if you're interested in learning about tarot and the ways that you can use different types of spreads to answer any kind of question or get advice on a certain situation from your spirit guides and most elevated ancestors you will want to tune in um you can definitely sign up 
for my Patreon, support my work for one, but also um, sign up for the Patreon. It's going to be available to all tiers, and so it's going to be on Sunday, um, May 16th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. So um, I have a link in the show notes for um, how you can register and stuff like that, so look out for that. And those are the church announcements for now. Um, Thank you so much for tuning into the show, and I really hope you enjoy it. All right, we're here to welcome Renee from Embodied Astrology. How are you doing? Hey, Kian. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Of course. Um, how did we meet? I think it was through a mutual friend or trips. Yeah. Um, you- well, I knew that Tribble knew you, but yeah. I was also, I first found out about you from the Good Witch Rise Up podcast. I heard your interview there oh. and was really, I was really excited about a lot of the stuff that you were talking about. So then I started listening to your podcast and eventually reached out to you on Instagram. Yes. And then we've met like a few times just to talk about stuff. You have really helped me through my life. Um, Thank you so much through (laughs) ups and downs. (laughs) (sighs) I I really love astrology because it does help contextualize things whenever, whenever it seems like stuff is random. And when it, you know, I feel like sometimes when, when shit happens, it feels like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? But astrology definitely helps put it into like, a context that's not um, good or bad, but kind of just a part of the uh, the spiritual evolution, you know? Totally. Yeah, I love it for that. It, it, it always feels like at least I have a sense of maybe why, mm-hmm. you know, and a time, a time stamp on something like this isn't going to last forever. There's a reason. For this. Here's a potential for it. Here's the consequence if you don't use it, you know, if you let it use you, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Exactly. And where are you located? I am on the traditional homelands of the Chinook, Multnomah, and Clackamas in what's called Portland, Oregon. Oh. (laughs) Pacific Northwest. I love that you say that, that you um, call out the indigenous name of the place. Yeah, I've been, um, I've been really sitting with the idea of land acknowledgement and what it means um it feels like something that i i hear happening you know and sometimes i hear it and it feels like words that people are reading off of a script and sometimes i hear it and feel really moved Mm. um and yeah especially i mean right now in 2021 i feel like there's just such a huge need to examine um the narrative of the united states you know living within it Mm -hmm. as a uh, a, a space of such incredible erasure and mm-hmm. violence and colonization. So I've been thinking a lot about that, like what it means to just remember and I don't know, let the words be a, a kind of anchor into something else, mm-hmm. more action or intention. Yeah. And I think I like it because it kind of makes things a little bit less like two dimensionally like historical because it's not, this isn't the new world, you know, this is like, (laughs) the world existed before um, colonization and stuff like that. So 
I think that's important. Right. It's kind of like a, a longer view for people and um, to understand the time span of like a nation. Like a nation is a social construction, you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Mm. I was listening to, do you know the author Ocean Blanc? No, who is that? They wrote, um, uh, they're like really incredible younger author. Um, and Night Sky with Exit Wounds is their recent book of poems. Um, so they wrote a book called On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous, mm. which is a semi-autobiographical, I mean, it's, a, it, I, it's fiction based on an, an autobiography mm. um, of their life as a, um, as an, as an immigrant child, a Vietnamese immigrant, um, growing up in uh, the US and in, in kind of the Northeast, I think in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. um, and so I heard them speaking last night on um, a, some kind of like, you know, public talk that a college was doing. And they were talking about the the moderator had asked a question about pop culture and like writing work that's quote unquote timeless and mm. and how they kind of insert these pop culture references and they and so then they were talking about remembering being in school and having some kind of feedback from a teacher and how I forget exactly how they said it, but basically they kind of came around to some kind of cliche that the only thing we can write about that's neutral is nature. It's like, oh, this is a place where we're not gonna get into politics or oh. things like that. And Ocean was like, but but absolutely not because Actually. here I am in the Northeast, right? And these natural landscapes that maybe like, um, you know, Thoreau or whoever, like these authors were, were talking about in this way that felt so timeless or something mm -hmm. um, are actually encapsulated in a history of colonization mm -hmm. and erasure. And there are other deeper histories of, um, you know, thousands, like tens of thousands of years um, mm -hmm. that don't get told. So I really appreciated that, like that part of their talk felt. Wow, that's yes. deep. I, mean, I think, I think <laughs> of myself- Nature is not neutral. Yeah, I think of myself as this reminds me of kind of of being like in English class in high school and being like, this is bullshit because it's like, I mean, so there are a lot of oak trees here in New Orleans and the oak trees are mm. very beautiful. But for a lot of black people, we have ancestral memories of, you know, hanging from those trees. So it's like, right. you know, people talk about nature a certain way, like, ah, la, 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 it's beautiful, da, 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 da. But people have to understand that there are certain types of trauma that are associated with that. Same thing with um, the stereotype of like black people not swimming is actually because of segregation and also because of, you know, like basically right. terrorism, um, domestic terrorism. So yeah. yeah, I think it is very important um, yeah. to acknowledge the land. And I think that's kind of something that um, I'm really glad that the younger people are um, into also, because we need to reclaim, reclaim all of it. Cause a lot of shit got messed up with colonization. Not like it was perfect before, but I think, yeah, especially thinking about the nation and all that kind of stuff. Um, like that kind of, I guess like populist language really leads to kind of what we have today. And it's how like, you know, 45 got elected and it's kind of like this ahistorical look right. at things like, you know, you're not welcome here. It's like, well, how the hell did you get here? You know, and just, right. yeah. so right. I yeah. totally feel all of that. And I think it's necessary that 
people look beyond our sort of temporal constructions of like, you know, reality and understand that there's more to it. I think that's part of the reason I practice Ifa is because it's kind of like it's before Christianity um, in terms of, you know, like my um, ancestry and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna, I was gonna say that, you know, like for I think for both of us, like working with the occult and magic and energy, um, and, and the ritual practices that you certainly have through Ifa, um, and that I feel like I kind of fumble into or so I'm like looking mm -hmm. for my own way with ritual but um for me at least I and I feel like we've talked about this it's like being in those spaces and cultivating that kind of awareness and energy it makes it so palpable that time isn't linear you know mm -hmm. and like I really more and more kind of feel this multiverse kind of idea of yeah. like time all events are always happening all the time simultaneously mm -hmm. ongoing you know and their resonances and energies are are still here and they we can still access them and we're always shaped by them. And then when there are, you know, people or groups of people or an entire nation where mm -hmm. there is a huge chunk of history or story or experience that is somehow obscured, you mm -hmm. know, it's like covered up or it's not remembered or it's suppressed or something like that, it creates this really intense warp in time mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like oh we can't actually be present because there's this huge albatross you know like there's this huge mm -hmm. pull in in some other direction but nobody will or it's it's not being held like with respect and mm -hmm. so we can't not be pulled all the time yeah not sure I if that makes that sense but yeah, that definitely makes sense. I feel like I think of that whenever I think about, um, well, I think there is a spiritual sickness that happens from kind of that erasure or that um, denial, but also in terms of public health, like um, like they are showing that intergenerational trauma does actually um, imprint itself on DNA. And then um, a lot of like, you know, chronic health illnesses that different groups have like Native Americans um, and black people and, um, yeah, Black people and Native Americans specifically is because of the um, treatment um, from like, you know, yeah. from the past and colonization. And then, because I, I know that there's like been studies where like immigrants who um, like moved here were healthier back in their home country, but here they're actually like less healthy. Um, and that can be right. a combination of stress and food and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it is very important. And um, I'm glad that a lot of people in health are starting to look at the ways that um, erasing history can um, like imprint itself on like the DNA and it's like a actual form of memory. Damn, this right. is- And it can wow. really, I mean, it obviously really restricts healing. I mean, to, mm -hmm. to, to have language even to say like, oh, there's epigenetics, like there's a, a historic cause for the symptoms that you're feeling now and it might be hundreds of years in the making or something yeah. like to even have that language and that awareness means that there's a potential for not a hundred percent repair or anything like that but like a re like a potential for redress or, or some mm -hmm. kind of at least integration you know an ability to mm -hmm. maybe move in a different direction put different building blocks for health in place but as happens all the time I mean in the 
white supremacist medical institution. Mm-hmm. Like there's no acknowledgement and a total like pathologizing of people and and you don't anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just kind yeah. of like drives those illnesses deeper. Yeah. And then I don't think I am someone who, um, I guess I kind of recently, I didn't recently change it, but I don't really believe in like total and complete healing. I think healing is like a lifelong journey. So even something that happens to someone like 30 years ago, there it's not like they're ever completely healed. There's always going to be kind of like a marker of that like trauma, but this, I feel like it's more about like um, kind of moving past it and then kind of understanding how to integrate it into like one's one's experience or collective experience, which it seems like we're trying to figure out in the now in the country, you know, with people with the people wanting to take the statues down and, you know, like reclaiming um, different names for land and stuff like that. But it's very, very complicated. Yeah, well, I, I'm when you say that, I think about in astrology, there are a couple of symbols specifically that refer to kind of a healing journey or like the sacred wound or something like that you know like chiron Chiron. yeah exactly (laughs) exactly like here's this here's a here's a sacred wound and when we move towards the wound it takes us on a journey and that journey is healing and if you stay with the journey then the potential is that you come out on the other side not necessarily being healed but being really different, you know, within your capacity to hold wounding and to hold healing and to have like compassion and understanding. And I think sometimes when we're wounded, it's like, we might not ever heal the wound, Mm. but if we can work with it to gain wisdom from it, then we become people who are wounded, but have tools and do work in the world that helps there be less wounding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, yeah. Oh my God. I didn't tell you about this in my other reading. Okay. So I can spill this tea on the podcast. It doesn't matter. So, you know, I'm going through, I went through a breakup or whatever recently. So I was looking at my astrology with someone and actually like the, the way that this breakup happened as far as this whole process, mm-hmm. I realized as far as like the, um, like it triggered a lot of my abandonment issues and issues around loneliness and stuff like that. But then I was doing research and my Chiron is actually in cancer. And that is kind of like, that really helped me contextualize like the breakup and um, kind of how it fits into my own journey towards healing as I, um, you know, as I become more of like a, a spiritual, like thought leader, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Chiron is rough though. I've been going through it. Ugh oh my god for the past month but that is really helpful to hear and um it is necessary sometimes to just lean into the wound and understand how um how you can use that information to pay it forward also all like sort of so yeah yeah well you know i i I think maybe a lot of your listeners might have chiron and cancer because it's somewhat of a generational placement um and so i think it it moved into cancer in the late 80s. It has a 50-year orbit. So people oh. who were born in the late 30s and early 40s will also have Chiron in cancer. Mm. But for late 80s, early 90s folks, um, the, the millennials, many of the millennials, they have Chiron in cancer, and or you all do. And, um, and, and one of the really interesting things about Chiron in the 20th century is that it formed something like 47 
direct oppositions with the planet Uranus between 1940 and 1990 or something. And that as a, a kind of generational group is a group of people all in different signs, by the way. So it's not just in Cancer, but because of, of Uranus, uh, its orbit and where Chiron has been. Um, and so that as an aspect, when it's strong in someone's chart and I'm looking at yours and it's it's there, you have Chiron at three degrees of Cancer and Uranus at two degrees of Capricorn. I mean, they're pretty much exactly opposite to one another. Um, so like for people who are Chiron and Cancer, um, if, if we're thinking about like the sacred wound or something, one thing that it is certainly not the only thing that this placement could mean, but one thing that I think a lot about with, with millennials is that um, there's language around like inclusion, exclusion, bullying, tenderness, attachment, like do I have anxious attachment, avoidance, da, da, da. Like there's a lot of language for people to understand bonding and like the, the wounds of bonds or mm -hmm. um, family or, or things like that. And, um, and so then a lot of y'all also are people that do, it's like you do healing around it and then you are healers in the world because you teach your friends and share it with your community. And if people have kids, they, you, they're gonna raise their children differently. Um, with more awareness around bonds and like the care of bonds. And so like for you, you have Chiron and Cancer in the fifth house of love affairs. Oh my God, I did <laughs> not know that, shit. Yes, <laughs> in the love affairs. So, you know, there's your potential. It's like, yeah, there's gonna be some harsh breakups, but also there's gonna be learning around tenderness and care for the people you know the friends and the lovers that you have mm -hmm. that will eventually I mean already I'm sure but like it will give you the capacity to really care for people mm. in a way that is exceptional you know that is healing to uh, yeah. And, and yeah this breakup definitely taught me like I because you know I'm a Capricorn stellium so I think before the relationship I was always kind of like you know, fuck man, like I'm a single girl, I'm on my money, my bag, bitch. But then uh, I got in it and I was like, oh, I kind of like being domestic, you know, oh, okay. I kind of like cooking food and like, you yeah. know, stuff for my man or whatever. So that was really cool. And I think especially yeah. for my next relationship, that's going to be something that I kind of keep to myself until I see the person has passed the test. Cause it is, um, yeah, because it's like I dive pretty hard, you know, pretty deep into um, into love and stuff like that. So definitely that makes total right. sense. Um, yeah, y'all, y'all, yeah. you don't do readings, do you? You're like pretty busy, huh? I do readings, but I'm really booked. Like yeah, I, I, my readings fill up immediately. Stuff. So yeah, because you're. But so I do good. have. Um, Help me so much. Oh, thanks. I, I do. Uh, I mean, I do free horoscopes every month that are like, they're mini podcasts for, for every sign. They're like 20 to 30 minutes, um, just focused on your sign for the month ahead. And those are free. And then I do year ahead readings. So there's readings for all 12 signs for 2021. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of like focus on the major themes that I pick up. Yes. And so how long have you been studying astrology? Because you know a lot. 
Well, I was actually raised by an astrologer. Um, So I feel like I've been studying astrology my whole life. Uh, My mom was, my mom got into astrology in her 20s. Um, She had me when she was 31 and she was like obsessed at that point. Um, She was also a massage therapist. She was studying herbalism. And then later when I was about eight, she went back to school. She, She had never finished college. So she went back to school and actually became a, a therapist, a mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. And she always combined astrology with everything she did. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of this, you know, the, the background and the knowledge that I have that feels pretty unique t- to me at least, which is this kind of intersection of astrology with, with body, like body work and anatomy mm-hmm. and energy work and then psychology. I was just raised in it. Like it was around me all the time. And my mom would always explain me to myself, which I found infuriating as a teenager, you know, that I would be going through something and she'd be like, it's just your Taurus moon. And I'd be like, ah, I'm good, dude. Fuck you. Oh my God. Actually, now as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, it's just my Taurus moon. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, she kind of gave me that language early on. And then when I was in my, um, I I guess I was about 19 or 20 and kind of around the same time I started studying yoga and then started studying astrology because uh, I got really interested in um, Vedic philosophy and Mm -hmm. I didn't study Ayurveda as a, you know, as a complete system, but I was really interested in um, what are called the nadis, like the energetic meridians in the body Mm -hmm. and And then how some of the authors that I was reading were talking about these energy channels in relationships to the luminaries, to the sun and the moon, and then also to to planetary energy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I was also in this really confusing relationship. It was my last straight relationship, actually. I like had this boyfriend Mm -hmm. um, and I I didn't have any idea that I was queer at that point. And I was so oh. confused in this relationship oh. for multiple reasons. But so I started, you know, studying astrology and was trying to understand his and my dynamic. And and then I was studying yoga and like getting really into astrology and energy. And, and then they just took over my life. And since then, now it's been, I'm almost 38. So it's been like 17 18 years that I've just been obsessed you know I just I'm so into it like I never get bored I always want to read about it I always want to talk about it I listen to everybody's podcasts I want to do all the classes it's just like constantly there's something to learn and think about and it's such a a helpful tool and feels really magical but also like a technology so Mm -hmm. so then um Typically, I know that people um, know their sun, moon, and rising signs, but what are some other like parts of the birth chart that you feel like people should um, pay attention to? Yeah, well, the sun, moon, and rising are really important. I mean, they are kind of the, if you think about what astrology is, which is at its core, an observational study of light and the influence of light upon our bodies, you know, in our embodied experience. Um, The rising sign is the time of day that you're born. What kind of light are you born into? Are you born at midnight or are you born at dawn? 
you know, mm. that's a very different kind of energy and it's, an, it's a different kind of mood. Mm. Um, the sun sign is a seasonal light quality. And mm. this is something that a lot of people get confused about because there are different schools of astrology. There are different systems. Yeah. So there's, there is a confusion between what's called tropical astrology and sidereal astrology because tropical astrology divides the yearly orbit of the earth around the sun into 12 parts of 30 days each. Mm. And it measures light in those, th in those 12 parts, mm. but those 12 parts have the same name as some constellations <laughs> and sidereal astrology uses the constellations, right? So there's like the constellation of Leo or mm -hmm. Virgo or something like that, that sidereal astrology is measuring time with mm. when these constellations are visible in certain places. And then tropical astrology measures time through seasonal light. But either way, we're thinking about a time of year. And mm -hmm. so this is a person's sun sign because the light and the mood are really different in January than they are in July. Mm -hmm. um, and then the moon, right, is our, is our closest in friend, <laughs> like our, our closest in celestial friend. And the moon is a satellite. It used to be connected with Earth. It, um, like the moon's orbit around the Earth has so much to do with the Earth's rotational speed. You know, like the moon orbiting around the Earth means that the Earth is orbiting at a speed that can support life. True. Um, the, the moon's orbit has, you know, a lot to do with the tidal rhythm. And so these, these placements are incredibly important. Like they really um, can speak to an embodied experience. Mm -hmm. But then beyond, beyond those kind of basic, very, I mean, like, so primary experiences, um, the, the planetary energies are all I think they're all important. Um, mm -hmm. So the first there's like the personal planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars. These are the planets that are orbiting at, you know, at speeds that make sense to us, I think, as human beings. It's like mm -hmm. both the Earth and Venus take somewhere around a year, you know, to orbit. Well, mm -hmm. the Earth takes a year. Venus takes somewhere around a year to orbit around the sun or Mars takes about two and a half years. And it's like, these are measures of time that, are pretty meaningful for us as human beings. Like if mm -hmm. the sun is going to spend 30 days in quote unquote, in a sign, like that's a measure of time that we can do something with or a couple of yeah. years. Um, and so the personal planets all have to do with our, our personalities, you know, Mercury mm -hmm. represents our, you know, the way that we process information, how we communicate, how we share information, Venus, um, is a planet of love. I think of it, I've been thinking of it a lot recently as nectar. It's like, if we're all flowers, mm. Venus is our nectar. It's like our sweetness that mm. draws in, you know, what, who, what and who we need into our mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. so that we can be abundant and beautiful and like the people that we want to be. Um, and so Venus has a lot to do with uh, how we get what we want in the world and what mm. we want, you know, our, our places of sweetness. And then Mars is the, the, the kind of balance point to that, which is about going out into the world to pursue something, mm -hmm. taking action on things. What are we motivated by? What are we scared of? What do we feel the need to, to protect or to defend? You know, that some people say like Mars is how you fight and how you 
fuck. Like it's your oh. um, Jupiter and Saturn. <laughs> um, okay. Jupiter and Saturn. Let me think about that. Give me two seconds. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. Mars, because no. you know, my Mars is an Aries, girl. You an Aries. <laughs> yeah, you're going to fight and fuck like you're ah. number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you're Mars. You know, and so this is, this is where astrology gets really interesting and nuanced right is like not just the signs but then the aspects like how are all these planets talking to each other because mm-hmm. you have mars and aries your mars and aries is in the second house and it's square with your sun so just mars and aries how you fight and how you fuck yeah like you like you got some energy for it mm-hmm. number one mm-hmm. right mr aries <laughs> but it's in your second house right so there's going to be a value system around this Um, there's going to be issues of, of like, um, resources and, and Mm -hmm. money. Like this could be a placement that you use in how you fight and how you fuck, but it's also going to be really important in terms of how you make money and like Mm -hmm. the value that you contribute to the world, which is far beyond, you know, you in an argument or you feeling Mm -hmm. sexy but like those energies may have a lot to do with how you put yourself out, right? Sure. And like how you present yourself. And then your Mars is square to your Capricorn sun. And Aries, especially Mars and Aries doesn't give a fuck, but Capricorn sun gives a fuck because mm-hmm. it wants to do a good job. You know, <laughs> like it wants right. to succeed. Like that Mars and Aries is gonna be like, who cares, you know, like, we just got to go for it. Like, let's just go, like, <laughs> be damned the consequences. And then the Capricorn sun is going to be like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Like, have we thought about this? Do we have everything we need? Have we tested it? You know, where's the guarantee? And so there's going to be a natural conflict there that will then produce creativity, right? Because like in order to work with square energy, you have to get creative. So you have to find ways to outlet this part of you that is impulsive and doesn't give a shit. And mm-hmm. then you also have to make that energy make sense for you in a sustainable, practical, concrete way that allows you to build something. Mm. I love that. Damn. Yeah, I feel like that's the more advanced stuff once you get into the interactions between the planets and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I'm not really up to that level yet. But do you have any tips for like, cause it feels like there's a lot of like stuff to learn when it comes to understanding transits. Do you um, have any tips for people wanting to learn that? Yeah, my tip is to get embodied with it. Like to think of um, in as many ways as you can, like how can you take these symbols and turn them into an imagination game or an experiment? Mm-hmm that you could feel because if you're just in your head trying to remember everybody's symbols and meanings and how they interact and what the rules are, you'll just get confused really fast. Mm. And like, for me, like I'm a dancer, I come from a background with dance. And so I think of this as choreography, like as, as, Mm. as dance is happening. And it, this is like my tagline. And I think on my Instagram, it's like bodies in orbit affect each other. You know, like everybody has a gravitational momentum. And so if you think about, well, what's a transit? You know, a transit is one one mass, like one bodily mass moving in relationship to another bodily mass, but it's temporary. You know, it's, it's a particular moment in time and 
then if you think about, okay, this breakup you just had, you know, how long were you with that person? That was a transit, you know, of you and this person, like you two right. coming into each other's lives, coming into conjunction, right? You're living together, sharing all this space mm -hmm. and then totally saturating each other with your influence. Now you're moving out of conjunction, you're moving apart, but you've changed each other. True. <laughs> right. And like, that's, that's how transits work is, mm -hmm. is these energies change each other. But if you can think of it, like the planets are actors, you mm -hmm. know, and this is a common metaphor that astrology teachers use is the planets are actors, the signs that they're in, um, are the costumes that they're wearing uh, and the house and the chart wheel that they're in is the scene. So if you have Mars, you have an actor that's a warrior. Mm. And if Mars is an Aries, then then that warrior is all suited up for battle. Which is different, say, for, from me, like I have Mars in Cancer. So my warrior is wearing pajamas and an apron. You know what I mean? Like, sweat, like sweatpants and oven mitts. And your Mars is like in full battle gear yes. with all the weapons, right? Like ready to go. Or it's like ready to do some kind of extreme sport. It's like mm. ready to go. And then you have your Mars in the second house and the second house scene is the place where you are actively looking to draw in resources and basic needs and desires and accumulate them and build upon them and make something of your life and of your person that feels of value to you. Yes, I like that uh, metaphor of the costumes and then the scenes because that makes total sense. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can like approach astrology from a, from a curiosity with like theater or something, or like a, a narrative story arc or character development or dance and choreography, like if you can, if you can really just, you know, astrology is a symbolic language that has been made up by humans. And we're talking about actual planets, right? Which are compositions of minerals and gases and like who knows what they are they're they're out in space being planets and then astrologers are down here on earth being like and then jupiter is bringing you an opportunity and it's like is that actually what's happening no like we live in a we live in this mysterious world that is totally connected and dreamlike and symbols mean something and humans make them mean something so if we really kind of like try and do that actively with astrology and we're like this is imagination like this is symbolism that has a divin divination function mm. but we're not pretending like it's science then i think we can like go somewhere with it but if we're trying to pretend that it's science then it becomes formulaic really fast and and oppressive yeah. you know a lot of people have trauma from astrology <laughs> because it's like they've been told like oh, you're a Scorpio, you're just going to hurt people. You know, Girl, it's like, that's up. not useful. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, oh you're my a Capricorn. God. You just want to boss me around, you know? People like, always love to hate on Capricorns. Oh, yes, yes. I'm a Leo. People love to hate on Leos, too. So, yeah, I really like that explanation that you gave about the transits. Um, I guess just for general astrology, do you have any recommendations for what people should look for like when they're getting in a relationship with somebody? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Um, moon and Venus placements are oh. moon, Venus, Mars placements. Actually all the personal planets. I mean, I would say 
like sun signs can be kind of helpful. I don't think it's, I actually don't think sun signs are the number one compatibility to look for. Mm -hmm. Like your Capricorn Um, signs are, so the moon represents the the interior experience, like the, the inner body and our interior experience is largely organized around whether or not we feel comfortable or safe mm-hmm. in in any given situation, right? And so the, the moon sign will tell you a lot about a person's need to feel seen, to feel safe, to feel secure. And when there's moon sign inc- incompatibility, like if moons are square to each other, that can be really challenging uh... because there's a, con- there's a feeling of like constant threat or like not knowing where there's safety or not knowing where there's comfort. Mm. Now, just, you know, just to say that there is no, there is no rule in astrology that says anything is particularly or always good or bad. And Mm -hmm. so like, if you have moon sign square with someone, first of all, this can be an incredible opportunity for growth because the moon is also often an unconscious placement and where we can get really stuck with stuff. And so a moon square can help you do a lot of emotional growing. Um, And then you also always have to take in all of the other aspects, just like a personal chart, you know, like it's complex and nuanced and everybody is full of idiosyncrasies. And then when you combine two people together, you you know, you've got a lot of things to consider. Um, But definitely the moon Venus, super important. Venus has a lot to do with um, how each of us feel attractive and then also what we find attractive in others. Mm. And it's like a sense of beauty, you know, and, and it's what pulls people together. Yeah. Um, and then Mars, how you fight and how you fuck, right? Like if you're going to be in a relationship <laughs> with someone, if you have, you know, if, if you and I were going to date for say, you know, for example, like my yeah. Mars in Cancer and your Mars in Aries, we'd really have to like have some process around how we were going to navigate that. Cause I, with my Mars and cancer, I'm so sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like so sensitive to everything. And with your Mars and Aries, like you can't feel constrained, mm-hmm. you know, or, or shut down or like I'm trying to baby you or coddle you, you know, and then I also need to feel safe. And so we would have to like really negotiate around when we have arguments, you know, or like if, if, you know, if it comes to sex and, you know, I'm just like, okay, like I need, I, I'm a demisexual or whatever that word is. Like, I need to know that there is like emotional safety and a mm. bonded connection. And, you know, Mars and Aries, I'm not saying this is true for you, but Mars and Aries might be like, but can't we just fuck? Like, yeah! this is fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is hitting home for sure. Oh my God. I just, cause I'd be like, let's just get it popping um (laughs) right and I'm like can we like can we just drink some tea and like yeah Mars and Cancer as a placement and Mars actually just went into Cancer today so you know until I think until June 10th um today's April 23rd so these next however many weeks seven weeks or something everybody gets to experience a little bit of Mars and Cancer but Mm -hmm. you know Mars is a warrior and Cancer is a safe space and so Mm -hmm like Mars and Cancer people, or when there's a Mars and Cancer transit, if it's affecting your chart, this can be energy where it's like, I'm gonna fight for it to feel safe. And if it doesn't feel safe, I'm gonna be fighting. Mm. And and that's not sexy like that, that if I'm like feeling defensive because I don't know if I can feel 
comfortable enough to let my guard down. Like that's not me feeling sexy. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, wow. Well, definitely y'all look at the Venus and especially the Mars child because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. will definitely dictate a lot of dy- dynamics or it, t- it tells a lot about dynamics and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I also meant to ask you what what does where does embodied astrology come from? I, we've talked about it, but I just wanted the listeners to know. Yeah, well, so my background is um, I've done a ton of training with embodiment practices. Um, when I was eleven, I started apprenticing with a dance therapist, and I worked with her until I was eighteen, really closely, and I'm still pretty connected with her. Um, at 19, I started studying yoga and yoga therapy. Um, and when I was about 25, then I started training in a, a, a school called Body Mind Centering. That is, um, it, it's, a soma- it's a somatic school. There's, somatics is a word that is huge. It, it can encompass a lot of things. So this particular training that I've done uh, looks a lot at the ontogenetic and the phylogenetic origin of our species. So that means how we got here from being single-celled organisms and also what what everybody learns in their process of, you know, because we're all really freaking different, right? But mm-hmm. if we're here in bodies, one, one thing that we can say with certainty is that all of us share the experience of being conceived somehow Mm. having an embryonic and an infant experience being born somehow and then living in a body up until now and so mm-hmm. our bodies you know we've all had to learn to communicate and to reach for the cup of tea right and to walk and things like that and so how we learn to to be in our bodies is the thing that i've studied a lot in terms of reflexes patterns uh like the psychosocial cognitive physical development Mm -hmm. um and then i've you know i've i've done various other trainings like cranial sacral therapy or energy work and through all of that study i've become really sensitive in my body and i think that this you know anybody can train themselves to be psychic Um, and so I would identify as a clairsentient, meaning that I receive a lot of, a lot of information through my body. And when I look at an astrology chart, because I kind of naturally do this associative process that I was just talking about, like, Oh, how does that, you know, what's the energy of that planet in that sign? How does it want to move? How does it want to feel? And then I've studied medical astrology, which, um, is exactly that. It looks at the chart in terms of body systems, organs, Mm. symptomology. Um, Then for me, what happens is I get this um, kind of synthesis of embodiment in astrology. Mm. And so when I look at a chart, I get physical feelings in my body, you know, and I've done a lot of acting and care, you know, character work. So Mm. I can look at your chart and be like, Ooh, yes. Like that Mars Capricorn square. I don't have that in my personal chart, but I can imagine into it mm-hmm. and I get a sensation around it. And, and, you know, like, I don't know how, you, how it works for you as an intuitive, but my experience as an intuitive is like a lot of the stuff that I'm picking up, it could easily be my imagination. It could easily be my sensitivity, 
Mm. but I'm just going to be willing to speak to it and describe it. And most of the time, I would say like 99 times out of a hundred, it lands for people. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, and then we talk about it, but there's so much sensitivity. I think that that happens in our bodies and like mm-hmm. our, our, not just our physical bodies, but our etheric bodies and our energy bodies. And so when we're connecting with each other, Um, and I don't even need to know who you are to feel like I'm connecting with you, like Mm -hmm. with horoscopes or something like that. If I'm just going to talk to people who identify with Capricorn energy, because it's their sun or it's their rising, then I'm connecting to something that somehow I'm feeling in my embodied experience and speaking to that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where the name came from, but it's also, it, it, I mean, it came as a attempt to to describe the synthesis that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, I think, just acknowledges that astrology is inherently embodied because again, like it's a language that humans made up for humans mm-hmm. to describe the experience of being alive, <laughs> which means that you're in a body. Yeah. Um, and it, astrology doesn't exist outside of the human experience. Astronomy exists, mm-hmm. you know, space physics exists maybe not in the language, you know, who knows that language, but. Astrology is make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important um, for people to kind of realize sort of that it's astrology, that astrology is sort of a form of divination, maybe not like, um, you know, mediumship where you're not just we're not you're not using a certain tool but it's kind of like the birth chart is like a way to interpret the energy of the person um and then yeah because I mean yeah definitely just looking at certain people I mean I guess with astrology it's kind of like you learn a ton of information and then intuitively produce um like a, a response or you intuitively divine on something using all that information whereas like you know well, tarot is learning a lot of different symbols and stuff too. I guess either a period, both of them are interactions with symbols and kind of like um, understanding that relationship to infer about a certain like event or um, person or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's true. And uh, of course, like tarot and astrology come from the, the same root, you know, like they're yeah. connected mm-hmm. to each other. Um, but I, I haven't ever tried, you know, other forms of divination. Like, you know, I'm thinking about like reading tea leaves or coffee grounds or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had those readings. I've received those readings and they've been powerful, but I want, you know, I wonder about, I think that people can gravitate to like what makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm a person that I can get in my own way with overthinking things like I love to think about shit you know and I always it's like I love information Mm -hmm. and so astrology feels like a godsend to me because it gives me a place to be obsessive about information and I'll never learn it all and there's so much to know and I can just be like ah give me more 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 and and the more that I know the more that I can kind of trust my associative mind to do that thing you were talking about, you know, which is like, okay, what feels relevant for right now? But I also feel like if you're a person who has a developed intuition because you've been giving time to these kinds of practices or because you're naturally, you know, you just know 
know that you're intuitive. I kind of wonder if like we could learn any of these forms. Like if I spent time with an elder, you know, who has been reading tea leaves her whole life, like, could I pick that up too? I, I feel like I could, you know? Yeah. And do you feel that way as an intuitive? Like where it's like, yeah, there are forms that you've connected with that have really spoken to you, but probably you could find your way with other forms because you're already a person who works, you know, in the occult. That yeah too? yeah definitely I find um to, with tarot cards that was the first form of divination I would do and then I um I guess with ifa there's certain divination that we learn using like cola nuts so that is based on a um a two-sided nut well you can get either get a yes or a no and so we use four cola nuts and so it's like there's a way that you can see like a yes, 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 no is one certain sign. And then like a yes, yes, no, no is like ancestors and Orisha like support. Alafia is like, you know, all positives turned up. So um, yeah, I do think that divination, learning different tools is possible, but um, it just depends on the person because I think for me, I, I know I know astrology, but more in like a philosophical way um, but I find that it's sort of, it's a lot of information and like with tarot, it's like you learn the cards and then, uh, I, I, I would say I interpret tarot cards differently for every single person. Like there's even, I see definitions. I'm like, damn, I did not even like, or I, I, I feel different, you know, stuff coming to me and I'm like, damn, I've never thought about this card that way. But, um, yeah, I think it depends definitely on the system of knowledge that you kind of like just naturally vibe with, um, the type of like informant way, the type of way that it's learned. I mean, both of these are all visual, but um, yeah, you kind of get what I'm talking about. So I do mm -hmm. think, yeah, if you have the gift then explore it. I actually bought some, um, some dominoes. So those were really cool that, well, no, some dice, dice. So mm -hmm. I've tried using those, but I've, I'm, I kind of need to find a better, um, a better legend to use. But yeah, I do definitely think that it is something that um, is inherently like a gift. And then, yeah, you should totally explore other um, divination systems. So yeah, damn, yeah. we're in 53 minutes already. Um, well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit and uh, for the last part of the segment about your um, meditations and then because I saw you have like a connecting with inner child meditation. You have a lot of meditations up on your site. Um, what was your inspiration for those? Um, let's see. I was in graduate school. I did a master in fine arts mm -hmm. um, and the program that I was in was, a, uh, it's called social practice. Mm -hmm. And it's like the idea that, you know, relationship can be art and mm. um, it, it bridges art and activism a lot. And I had gone into the program with the idea that I wanted to find ways to do the thing that I was already doing, which was body work and energy work and astrology. Um, as an art practice. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I'm also a stoner. So I'll just put that out there. Uh, and so like I had this, <laughs> yeah. I had this idea. I was like, I want to make guided meditations for stoners <laughs> because <laughs> I would, I would get high and I would have these wild experiences where I would just be like, okay, 
I'm going to travel really deeply into this feeling in my body. And it could be an emotional feeling or a psychological feeling or a physical feeling. And I would have these journeys and like all this wisdom open up for me. And is that the more that I, I don't know if it's astral projection because I was in my body. Oh, okay. um, but I do feel like I was traveling on the astral plane because my, you know, what it was like this multiverse feeling like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of what happens for me when I go into a bodily sensation or an emotion is that time and space open up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of times like it's, it's deeply ancestral, you yeah. know, or it's interspecies or something, or like I'm connecting with the earth or so yeah, I don't know what kind of, of projection that is, but I um, had had a lot of feedback when I was teaching yoga that, cause I used to teach um, this style of yoga called yin yoga. That's like very relaxing. Like you mostly are lying on the floor and kind of doing passive stretching and it's quite meditative. And I would get this feedback all the time from people saying that they felt like I was describing their experience or that I was talking directly to their body. Hmm. And so I knew like I I was aware that I had clairsentience, you know, that I could like pick up on people's body sensations and I could read that and speak to it. So I decided to start doing these meditations for myself because they were things that I needed. Like I needed to heal my relationship with my inner child and Hmm. I needed to do ancestral work and I needed to work with insecurity and like every single meditation on there is something that I needed. Um, so I would do the meditation. I would talk myself through it and describe that journey. Um, and then just kind of put it out there, you know, and like sometimes I would work with sound, like, um, I'm really interested in experimental sound Mm. and sound healing. And so I would work with sound and and then it built this catalog. There's about a hundred of them now. Yes. Um, So yeah, they were an experiment. They were like me (laughs) doing some kind of attempt at um, synthesis and like bridging the things that I do. And, um, and then they, they just became like a, uh, yeah, a really like nourishing space for me. I think that's, Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love and it. hopefully they're nourishing for others yeah obviously they are they have plenty of views or plenty of listens so um well thank you so much for coming on the show this is like this was such a deep talk I feel like we covered so many different subjects um is there anything that you wanted to like announce or um any kind of information you wanted to give out to the listeners um yeah if people are interested they can they can follow me on Instagram. I'm there too. And I, I enjoy being in that space. I do regular kind of like embodied astrology explorations. Um, I have a subscription that um, is by donation, mm-hmm. any amount. And if folks sign up for it, then they can get my extended content. I put out month ahead calendars and I do twice a month events on Zoom. One is a workshop that I'll lead that's for the season yesterday, we did the Taurus season workshops. So uh, there's suggestions on like how to how to work with your own chart and think about 
the upcoming astrology and relationship to your chart. And then I'll choose a couple of different transits to focus on for the upcoming month. Um, and then the second workshop that we have is more of a casual space. I call it Astro Tea Time. Like we just get together and people, you know, talk about their charts. It's usually focused on the, that month, you know, like what people are learning about their charts and current astrology. Um, and I, I teach regularly. I'm kind of in a spot right now where I'm like, I can feel some new classes or like yes. offerings coming, but they're not totally clear yet. So maybe in the next six months or so, there'll be, there'll be something out there, but I have a couple workshops online and yeah, lots of ways people can connect. Easy. I love it. Please get into these workshops, y'all. Renee knows so much. Um, well, thank you so much for coming onto my show. I feel like we need to do a part two at some point soon, whenever there's some kind of huge astrological event coming up. Or is yeah, there- Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's see. Um, next month in June, we've got Mercury retrograde and eclipse. Oh, it's oh. gonna be this the second um, Saturn squared Uranus. It's the aspect that is kind of defining 2021. Like 2020 was Saturn Pluto conjunct and 2021 is Saturn Uranus square. It happens three times. And so in June, kind of all within the span of the same time, it will be Mercury retrograde. And then there's going to be an eclipse on, I think it's June 10th. And then on the 14th, Saturn is squared Uranus for the second time this year. So my sense is like June is a is a is like a have like uh what's the word i want i don't know a powerful time for the astrology in 2021 really powerful okay okay y'all heard it first from renee uh well thank you so much so much gratitude to you and um yeah i'm gonna stop recording now what a great show Yes, I love Renee so much. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the church announcements, we have the MSF Cyber Witch and MSF Tarot Tarot Academy classes starting next week. So if you're interested in studying or learning with me, go ahead and sign up for those. Uh, Patreon live stream on Tarot Spreads 101 is going to be May 16th at 1 central it's 1 p.m central standard time so check that out otherwise um i will catch you on the internets sending y'all so much love peace and blessings Mwah. <laughs>